lives, didn't it? He made a mighty nation from the seed of Abraham and led them through the wilderness. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live. Hey, well, hello. This is uh, Pastor David Ford. And uh, I'm the pastor of a church in Charlottesville, Virginia, known as Mission Charlottesville. We are a member congregation of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. I'm coming to you today with this message entitled Faith That Stands in Tough Times, Part 4. And this message comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So, Here that passage is, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus these words. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and every supplication with every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. Now, please uh, pray for me, and I'll pray for all of us as we come to this message. Lord, we come to you once again, and we come in the name of Jesus. I pray again, fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit to be upon all who hear this message and upon this preacher today for this preaching and teaching. May it be anointed of you, Lord, and used of you. I pray, Lord, that there will be providential miracles as a result of this message today in the lives of those who hear it. So come, Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. The truth of your word, that as we abide in in your word, Lord, it sets us free. We dedicate now this preaching in the name of Jesus the strong son of God. Amen. This is uh, the last message in this series of messages entitled Faith That Stands in Tough Time. This is the fourth message in this series. And three key terms found in verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 6 are these words here. uh, Pray, alert, and persevere. Now, I'm sure this will not be the last time that you and I 
focus on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It's an, an important passage of scripture that from time to time we need to revisit and remind ourselves, particularly when we find ourselves uh, where our faith is being tested in tough times, especially like the times we're living through right now. But I would also say not just in tough times, but even in easy times. Because sometimes it's in the easy times where we can slide spiritually. Whereas sometimes in tough times, the tough times will drive us closer to God. And we will seek his presence, his promises, and his power. But no matter what, as disciples of Jesus Christ, our lives are to be marked by prayer, staying alert, and perseverance. And these words that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus uh, almost 2,000 years ago, they are as relevant as today's newspaper. Now, Paul wrote these, these words, and it brings me to this teaching point. Faith that stands in tough times is empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit so that we may pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 declares, pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. It's a way of saying not only can we, but we are supposed to. Pray in the spirit every time we pray. It says in every prayer and supplication. Now, in the original Greek of Ephesians 6, 18a, the word for prayer is prosuchus. Prosuchus, that's the Greek word. And the word for supplication, I'm probably going to murder this word, so have mercy upon me. It is uh, the Esios, the Esios. Now, according to the theological dictionary of the New Testament, the word prosuchus means prayer or petitionary prayer, where we are petitioning God for things for ourselves and for others. And the the word supplication means to ask or to seek. So to ask of God, to seek God. Now, please notice that at the beginning, we are to do either in the spirit. We are to pray in the spirit every time. And we can, according to Ephesians 6.18. And how, how is that possible? Well, because the Spirit indwells us and we in, are in the Spirit. The Spirit is in us. We are in the Spirit. And sometimes we should keep this in mind. Sometimes those of us that are in the Pentecostal or charismatic tradition, when we hear the term pray in the Spirit, we can tend to think that means only praying in tongues. Now, please don't hear me wrong. 
Uh, one of the ways that we pray in the spirit is to pray in tongues. Ephesians, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people, but to God. For nobody understands them since they are speaking mysteries in the spirit. So this is uh, what is often referred to as our prayer language, where we are praying to God in an unknown language. And when it happens and people hear it, <laughs> especially if, if, if they don't have any idea of what's happening, it sounds like gibberish to them. But please hear me. God understands every syllable of it. And it is beautiful in his ears. Paul then also says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. There is the the, the gift of tongues and then the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And what this makes clear is we can do both. And if we have been given the gift of tongues, then we need to pray also to be able to interpret. Scripture makes it very clear that if we pray in tongues in a public setting in that unknown language, that there should be someone present to interpret it so that the whole body, the gathered body of Christ is edified and they can say amen. Now, some years ago, while serving as the founding pastor of Newtown United Methodist Church in Williamsburg, Virginia, during our midweek uh, service on Wednesday evenings, <clears throat> oftentimes in that service, I would give an invitation if somebody felt led to pray in tongues or to give a word of prophecy. And if somebody prayed in tongues, it uh, would be followed by an interpretation. And I would give interpretation to uh, that prayer in tongues. I'll never forget one Wednesday evening that a, a precious Christian woman in that congregation, she prayed in tongues so beautifully. And, and as she prayed in tongues, you had a sense of this is a language. And it's, it has syllables. And it follows and flows. And as she prayed in tongues, this was the interpretation that was given to me. And it was this. Lord, as a little girl, I want, Father, I want to be as close to you as a little girl playing at the feet of her father. Hmm. That was the interpretation. When I finished that interpretation, I looked and tears were running down her face. Hmm. After the service, she came up to me and she said, what you interpreted tonight, as after as I had prayed in tongues, I had prayed that exact same thing in English this morning. Isn't that powerful? 
Did God hear that prayer? You betcha he heard that prayer. And please hear me. He heard that prayer in both English and whatever the unknown language is she was praying in. So listen, praying in tongues is one way to pray in the Spirit, but it's not the only way to pray in the Spirit. Certainly the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray with our known language in prayers that, that can be in the Spirit as well. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, these words. He says, I will pray with the Spirit. And that's a small case S. That means praying in an unknown language. It arises out of our spirit. Where the Holy Spirit dwells, inspiring and empowering that gift. But Paul then says, I will pray with the mind also. In other words, forming cognitive thoughts into prayer in a known language. And the Holy Spirit can inspire that as well. So that we can pray in an unknown tongue and a known language in the Spirit. Now, here's the good news. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit, capital S, intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit indwells the spirits of every born again disciple of Jesus Christ. He fills our spirits and he he informs our minds and he helps us to pray, whether it's in an unknown tongue or a known tongue. Isn't it good to know that when we find ourselves in tough times, we always have a spirit inspired way to pray in the spirit. And the good news is also the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. He is praying for us to the Father and to the Son 24-7, 365 days a year. Now, here's a, an example of uh, the power of praying in the Spirit. Dr. Robert Morgan, he wrote uh, a book, <clears throat> and he recorded in it a short story entitled Awaken to Pray. And here's how it goes. James Stegall's was 19. He was in the Vietnam War. Though he carried a small Gideon New Testament in his shirt pocket, he couldn't bring himself to read it. His buddies were cut down around him. Terror was building within him. And God seemed far away. His 20th birthday passed. Then his 21st. At last, he felt he couldn't go on. On February the 26th, 1968, remember that date, he prayed for it all to end. And his heart told him he would die before dusk. Well, that word he heard, it wasn't his heart. It was the evil one. But God had a different word. Sure enough, his base camp came under attack that day. 
and Jim heard a rocket coming straight toward him. Three seconds to live, he told himself. Then two, then one, and a friend shoved him into a grease pit, and he waited for the rocket to explode. But there was only a surreal silence. The fuse malfunctioned. The missile never exploded. For five hours, James knelt in that pit. And finally, his quivering hand reached into his shirt pocket and took out his testament. And beginning with Matthew, he read through the first 18 chapters. And he stopped with Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 through 20, that read like this. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The story goes on then. Long after Jim returned home, as he visited his wife's grandmother, Mrs. Harris, she told him of a night years before when she had, she had awakened in terror. Knowing Jim was in Vietnam, she had sensed he was in trouble. She began praying for God to spare his life. Unable to kneel because of arthritis, she lay prone on the floor, praying and reading her Bible all night. And just before dawn, she read Matthew 18, 19 through 20. She immediately called her Sunday school teacher, who got out of bed and went to Mrs. Harris's house, where together they claimed the Lord's promise as they prayed for Jim, until reassured by God's peace. Having told Jim the story, Mrs. Harris opened her Bible to show him where she had marked the passage, Matthew 18, 19 through 20. And in the margin, she had written these words, Jim, February the 26th. 1968. Oh, my goodness. Jim had the prayers of a godly grandmother covering him. She was praying in the spirit. Brothers and sisters, there is a reason why we are commanded to pray in the spirit at all times especially in tough times. Please hear me. Our lives and the lives of others depend on it. That brings me to this. Faith that stands in tough times. It keeps and is kept alert to attacks of the evil one that would undermine faith. Ephesians 6.18b says this. And to that end, keep alert. Now, in the context of Ephesians 6.18, 
clearly a warning is given to disciples to keep alert to being the target of attack by the evil one. Now, this doesn't mean that we uh, are hypervigilant to the point of paranoia, or we're, or certainly we're not to be lackadaisical about this stuff, as if it could never happen to us. <laughs> it will happen to us. And that's why we are being told and, and commanded here to keep alert. C.S. Lewis, I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis, he wrote this, and I quote, You can give the devil too much or too little attention. Are you giving him too little attention? Are you giving him too much attention? We've got to give him some attention. But we don't give him any more than he deserves. I want the Lord to have I want the Lord to have the bulk of my attention. Amen. I'll give him attention when I need to. And that's why I need to keep alert. Now, every day we are to be alert. We should be alert. Ephesians 6 counsels and he commands us. We need to have the whole armor of God on every day. And that's an indication then that we need to keep alert on an ongoing basis. Here's a story that bears this out. Uh, my friend, Dr. Terry Takel, he wrote a book entitled Prayed On or Prayed For. The more uh, people in your church who are praying for your pastor, the fewer will be left to join the firing squad. <laughs> so the, 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 the title of the book, Prayed on, the word prayed there is spelled P-R-E-Y-E-D, or prayed for, P-R-A-Y-E-D. Now, in that book, he's teaching members of churches how to pray for their pastors. Lord knows we need to be prayed for. But let us... Let, let none of us forget the devil's got a target painted on all of our backs. And so we need to keep alert. We also need somebody around us who is alert that will help watch our back as we help watch their backs. Amen. Now, everybody needs prayer, not just pastors. And here's, here's a story in Terry Tickle's book that bears this truth out about keeping alert. Years ago, Dr. Paul Walker, a very well-respected Church of God pastor, was flying back to his home in Atlanta. He sat next to a woman who refused the flight meal, saying, no, thank you, I'm fasting. Are you a Christian? Dr. Walker asked the lady after the flight attendant moved on. She replied, no. I'm a witch, and the covens of Atlanta are praying for the breakup of the marriages of some influential pastors. <laughs> Truth is stranger than fiction, isn't it? Uh, and 
she named several of those influential pastors in Atlanta, including Dr. Paul Walker. Oh, my goodness. Please hear me. The evil one is alert. Are we? I have good news. Our God and Savior, the Bible declares they neither slumber or sleep. They're on and and neither do the holy angels. Listen, they are on the alert 24-7, 365, even when we can't be. But listen, we can go to sleep with the whole armor of God on. And we can wake up each morning and put it all on again and be alert for that day. And so between the powerful providential care of our God and Savior and the holy angels who are sent to minister to us. And us having on the whole armor of God with alertness and having brothers and sisters whose shields are linked together. And we're watching one another's backs. We can live in victory in the toughest of times and we can send the devil packing. And that brings me to this final point. Faith that stands in tough times is empowered to persevere because Christ who persevered dwells within us. Ephesians 6.18 says, Always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Now, clearly we are to persevere in praying for one another. And let us never forget that our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he is interceding to to the Father and the Spirit on our behalf, 24-7. 365, and he dwells within us by his spirit. And so we are to persevere, but we are also, please hear me, we are just to persevere. Passing through tough times, it develops perseverance within us so that we can pass through whatever comes our way. And listen, we can persevere. Why? Because we're in Christ. Christ is in us. Christ persevered. And we have the perseverer dwelling within us. We have his spirit and we have his word. We have the ministry of the holy angels to us. And we have one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We do not battle alone. And don't let the devil convince you that you are alone. As, as the prophet Elijah said to Elisha, greater is the number of those that is with us than the forces aligned against us. Amen. Amen. We don't persevere alone, brothers and sisters. And if we try to, it's our own fault. So seek the fellowship of God every day and the fellowship of brothers and sisters. And we don't have to persevere alone. Now, here's a a story from the life of John Wesley. And it pays to persevere. Because when we persevere, 
Christ-like character is being formed within us that is going to last forever. And when we persevere in being a witness for Christ, it's going to bear fruit in the lives of others for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. John Wesley kept a meticulous journal. You want to talk about somebody that understood the reality of perseverance? Oh, my goodness. It was John Wesley. Listen to what he wrote in his journal. I don't know what year this happened, but he recorded in the months of May and June the following. Sunday a.m. May the 5th. Preached in St. Anne's. Was asked not to come back anymore. (laughs) Sunday p.m. May the 5th. Preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m. May the 12th. Preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m. May the 19th. Preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m. May the 19th. Preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Sunday a.m. May the 26th. Preached in a meadow. Chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during service. (laughs) Sunday a.m. June the 2nd. Preached out at the edge of town. Kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m. June the 2nd. In the afternoon, I preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. Man. It pays to persevere. Amen. It pays not only in this lifetime, but in the life to come. Because when we are faithful to persevere for the sake of his name, We are going to be given a reward that we will never lose. Now, please, I close with this. Perseverance through through life without Christ is drudgery. It's just an empty existence. But perseverance with Christ through life, it gives meaning, purpose, and joy. So let me ask you, maybe there's somebody listening to this today. You've never received Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. And you're, you're, you're trying to persevere without Christ. Is that you? It, please hear me. It is dangerous to try and live in this world without a close personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Bible declares we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And so if that's you, and you want the abundant life that Christ gives, you're tired of just persevering through drudgery and an empty, pointless life then I invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord this day and the gift of everlasting, abundant life. If that's you and you want what he has to offer, then pray with me. Pray after me. This prayer 
It's just a simple, sincere prayer of faith and repentance. That's all, that's all it takes. Faith and repentance. I promise you. He wants this for you more than you want it. Jesus shed his blood for you to have abundant, everlasting life now and forever. He will say yes to you. So pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. I thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me now and forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, there it is. Uh, If you prayed that prayer for salvation for the first time in your life, then I want to ask you to contact Rick Bonfim Ministries. By watching this video, uh, you have a way to, to contact them. And I encourage you to contact them, them so they can rejoice with you, encourage you, and share with you next steps in Christian discipleship. I, I know that they will be glad to take time to talk with you and pray with you. So I want to close just by saying thanks for listening today and to say God bless you today and always. Thanks for listening. God bless you. In boundless love and mercy He gave His only Son who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. To every generation, He gives the joy of His salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. As I watch the world around me, I can see His mighty hands delivering His people from the evil in this land. The wounded and the broken from the seed of Abraham and led them through the wilderness into the promised land in boundless love and mercy he gave his only son who became the sacrifice for everyone oh god's mercy